Hey, my name is Alan, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at the Vineyard, and it is my delight today to continue in our sermon series, Divine. We've been talking out of 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through oh, uh, 11-ish. We're going to stay right there today. And uh, today I want to take you to uh, a transitional moment in this text. So Kurt's been doing an incredibly wonderful job. His design, his divine power, his divine nature. He's been really clear about the invitation that God is extending to us. You know, Jesus regularly, just walking through the crowd as he was meandering in his uh, uh, life, would say to all kinds of people, follow me. Interestingly enough, he never put qualifications on it. He just simply would say to them, follow me. You ever had the sense that the invitation of Jesus to you was to follow him? I hope so, because that's his invitation. He's inviting us to follow him. And the reason he's inviting us to follow him is because he desperately, more than we can ever imagine, wants us to live a flourishing life. Not just ho-hum, not just mediocre, He wants us to be people who live with radiance and life and abundance and energy. And this passage that we're getting ready to read reminds us that God has provided for us from his resources everything we need to live this godly life, this flourishing life. And let me just be really, really clear. Clearly, the invitation of God through Christ is to live this life in his power, not our own. Can you just take that in? God invites us to this flourishing life. Follow me. He provides all the resources, all the power, everything necessary for us to participate fully in his life and in his nature. So we're going to read from 2 Peter chapter 1. And uh, if you want to follow along with me on your smart device or with your Bible or simply on the screen behind me, uh, I'm going to read and just, just receive this and let it sink deeply into you as we navigate our way today to love received and given. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace 
be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Just read this with me. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glorious goodness. Oh, wow. Wow. Just soak that in. Everything we need. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, the flourishing life. That's not on the screen. I just added that. (laughs) Having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires because of this tension. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sound like a deal? I mean, that sounds like a deal to me. All the resources necessary to live this flourishing life have been provided by God himself. If I will but just lean into them. Now, remember, Kurt has done an incredibly wonderful job by reminding us that it serves us well to pay attention to the progression. There's a progression in that passage. And the progression is God's work in us, forming us and shaping us. And here's the first part of that connection, to experience his divine power and his divine nature. And so the first of the progression or the ladders of character, holiness, personal development are uh, like a lot of scripture. It's this reminder that we have to be vertically connected to God. So just listen. It serves us well to pay attention to the progression. Here's what Kurt's been saying to us. As I grow in my knowledge of God, it will translate into a changed life. My faith moves to action, which will be a journey of transformation, flowing from His grace, His truth, God's love, His character, His righteousness, His mercy, His justice, knowing God that leads us to self-control, perseverance, 
and godliness. Um, I, I, I like to add this. Godliness isn't simply piety. You familiar? Um, piety we often envision as the aura that surrounds us wherever we go. You know. Uh, one of the Middle Ages paintings, the presence of God, the aura. No, 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 no. It's not an aura. It's a way of living. It's a way of living. It's a way of being. This character isn't just to allow us the presence to sit before God in our easy chair clasp our hands in front of us and just meditate beautiful thoughts. And while we do, we begin to shine. No, 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 no. It's for us when we get up out of our easy chair, have our hands unclasped. We've got our hands to the day and to our work. And when we encounter, when we encounter the challenges of the evil world in which we live, we respond in a godlike manner in these character-shaped relationships, and that's actually where we're leading today. So faith, faith received leads to that development of character, God's character in us. And now, here's where the text takes a little bit of a change today. It's a turn of a direction because today the text says that faith received leads to to a shared life bound by mutual affection and love of others. Here, verse 7, here it is, here it is. And to your godlikeness, your godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. You see what just happened there? God just switched the the direction of our thought and our living. He just changed it from a vertical connection that absolutely is essential. And we never let go of that vertical connection. But then he reminds us, it's not just about being connected to God. He says, unless your connection to God leads you to being connected to others with mutual affection... And love, you haven't yet gotten it in terms of understanding what a flourishing life looks like. Doesn't this sound so familiar? Peter learned a thing or two hanging around Jesus. We're going to explore that a little bit more here in just a second. But let me suggest to you that Peter learned a thing or two. Doesn't this sound so much like Jesus when the lawyer from the crowd asks Jesus about what's important in this world. Like, what, what, what's the most important things? And, he, and Jesus, Jesus does this so regularly. Ask him a question. Well, what do you think the most important things are? And he says, well, love God passionately and love God you know, other, love, love others through the power of God. And Jesus says, yep, you got it. Way to go. You passed the test. And then he said this, the whole of the law and the prophets can be kept 
As one loves God with everything you have and loves your neighbor as yourself. And if you remember this story, the, the lawyer just couldn't keep his mouth shut because he wanted to know more. He said, well, uh, just so you know, um, and who's my neighbor? And then Jesus just unloads the story of the good Samaritan who surprisingly displayed the love of God through his love for neighbor. That's where we're going today. The transformational work of God and his kingdom is the result of new life in Christ. That faith, that faith that so beautifully described by Peter in his introduction. That faith that he's talking about is, in fact, a way of talking about following Christ and experiencing the transformation that Jesus offers each and every one of us. And so the question I would ask is, how... Do we allow this new life in Christ position us to increase our, quote, mutual affection? And uh, most commentators say that, that framework, mutual affection, isn't strong enough. That there's something more than just, ah, you're kind of a good old pal, I like you. Now, there's something to that. There's, there, there is that phileo, the friendly kind of love. And absolutely, we want to lean into friendship and friendliness. But they, they say that the, the calling there in terms of mutual affection is actually has more teeth into it than that. Because it's an implied, it's an implied following of God and his character that flows through us, which connects us beyond affection that then ultimately leads us in the capacity to love. So let me just ask it this way. How do we grow in this? Well, I'm going to suggest the way that we grow in this is to begin by people who know what it is to receive the love of God. Love received sends roots deep into the soil of our lives so that we so that we can be a people whose divine character of God lives in us and through us and flows out of us to others. You've heard the old adage you can't give away what you haven't already received. That's the way this works. If if you're not a recipient of love, I'm going to suggest that your reservoir might not be full enough to give it away freely. And in this world, I know this. I leak and I need to receive all of the love that I can get so that when I actually have the opportunity to leak on those who need the love of God, there's something in my tank to give them. And so let's talk about love received. If you've been hanging around with us or listening to us for a while, you, you've heard what I'm getting ready to say said in different ways. But let me say it to you again. 
love received allows us to align ourselves with the story that God is telling about us. You realize we're all telling stories about our lives, our successes, our failures, our hopes, our dreams. And the reality isn't the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves. It's not so important as the story we tell ourselves, making sure that that story is the story that aligns with the story that God is telling about us. And this is where you just have to keep reading a little further in this passage to get the understanding of how Peter himself aligned the story he told with the story that God was telling about him. You have to jump all the way down to verse 16. It's not going to come up, but let me just give you your homework. You can read this. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. And so, remember, Kurt reminded us that Peter's talking to the church. This is the second time he's written them because they've run into uh, bad teachers. And part of their bad teaching was that they were diverting from the truth discovered in Christ, the reality of his transforming love. And they were also uh, prophesying, but they were prophesying out of their own desires and hearts and wishes that they weren't telling the truth of what God had to say. Now, we're not sure all the details, but what we do know is there was resistance because they were more self-absorbed than God-absorbed. And and so, here's what Peter says. He says, you know, we didn't follow clever stories, hint, hint, like those false prophets. When we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty now that's code language if you're not familiar with the code you say what eyewitnesses to okay you hung out with him you traveled with him when he said follow me you did you were there you were hanging out but but he's really citing a specific moment so what might he mean we were there as an eyewitness to your majesty. Well, all the people who are way smarter than me say, ha, the code language here is simply this. He's reminding them of what Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell in the story of of what is known as the transfiguration. So, Matthew 17 tells this story. And he says, they were traveling on their way and six days have passed in the context. And it says, Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, they all went up to a mountain by themselves. And Jesus was there. And it says, he was transfigured before them, which means simply the radiance of God. Okay, the real aura. Wow. The radiance of God shines on Jesus. And then in the midst of it, it says his face shined like the sun. His clothes became white as light. 
and wow, 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 wow. I mean, this is like, this is like crazy. They're all there. And just then, while all this is happening, guess who shows up for the conversation? Moses and Elijah. And they're talking with Jesus. And Peter gets a brilliant idea. You remember, he's always got brilliant ideas. Right? He's, got all, he's always got brilliant ideas. And he says, ho, 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 this is so good. Jesus, Jesus, can I just build tents? Like, can we just make this a, a destination resort? Like, can I just build tents so we can hang out here? And while he's saying that, here, this is so interesting. While he's saying that, let me get back. I touched this and lost my place. While he's saying that, a voice speaks out of the cloud and says, This is my son, whom I love. Three more words that make all the difference in the world. Listen to him. Listen to him. Peter says, I was an eyewitness. And if you get your chronology, chronology right, you will understand that Jesus needed a foundation, excuse me, Peter needed a foundational love in Jesus, a listening to the loving heart of Jesus that would be absolutely necessary for him to get from that moment through the trials and tribulations to get to where he's riding now. And he says, I was there as an eyewitness when his majesty showed up. You should pay attention. This is what God is doing in your life. You see what happened? Remember, Jesus moves from the transfiguration pretty quickly in the text. He moves to his betrayal. He moves to G, uh, Peter's denial. He moves to being taken to trial. He, he moves to being crucified. And then Peter encounters Jesus. And Jesus says to Peter, Oh, Pete, I, I know, but you need to hear me. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. He says it three times. I'm going to suggest to you that the reason that Peter could receive the forgiveness so necessary in his life was because he had learned one thing. No matter what Jesus said to him, it was because he was loved. Love received means listening to Jesus. And in the moments he celebrates us and in the moments he corrects us, we listen to him and pay attention to him and we receive deeper and deeper roots of love growing in him because we know that he loves us. Love received is birthed in the confidence that you are loved you're loved Jesus teaching 
to the disciples captured in the words of John. And this is in the chapter 15, 16, 17, this big conversation about Jesus going away. Jesus says this in chapter 15, verses 9 through, twi- 9 through 12. The root, the rootedness in Peter. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my, man- my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command And remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Some final words. My command is this. Love each other as he has loved you. Love as you've been loved. So so love received leads us to love given. Love given. Reminder again, take notice in these last two steps on the ladder of transformation. Remember, focus shifts from vertical engagement to horizontal engagement. Love God passionately with everything you've got, but love your neighbor as you love yourself. So as we increase our faith in being loved, so also our new life in Christ opens us to a giving, sharing, more and more and more of the love of God in our lives. Here at the Vineyard, we say this, we're asking God to give us the courage and kindness to point one another to Jesus. And and I'll add this, to point one another to the love of Jesus. This is what we do. I, I, I can't say it any more strongly than Peter Davids, our friend who is a biblical scholar, when he says this about this passage. He says, Christians aren't just encouraged to feel warmly about each other or even to like one another. They're instructed to act lovingly toward one another. One of my children, I have two, they'll remain nameless so as to not expose them. (laughs) You learn these things as a pastor by making mistakes along the way. You you tell things about your kids you shouldn't. I'm, I'm telling it, but you don't know who they are or which one it is. I remember an occasion when I was correcting one of my children. And I was encouraging obedience. And this is, this is the loving response of a little one who didn't like me at that moment. Daddy. I will obey you, but I don't want to. (laughs) You see, 
the love of God propels us to being able to not have the warm, fuzzy feeling of love, to live a life engaged of actively giving love away. Now, my time is ending here, so I'm going to just close us by reminding us of a familiar passage, and I'm going to just move right along. The familiar passage is 1 Corinthians 13. I, I want you to hear it. I want you to hear it in all of its beauty, but I want you to hear it in all of its practical application because this is not a feel-good passage. This is an engagement in living passage because if we feel good about this and it gives us the warm fuzzies and we do none of it, I will tell you, you are not practicing this passage in its desired intent. Okay? So here it is. You know that begins by saying, if I, if I, if I, if I, if I. And the phrase that responds to, if I do these things, there's basically, if I do these things but I don't have love, they amount to nothing. And there's some spiritual kind of momentum there. If I do these spiritual things but I don't have love, they're useless. They're, they're worthless. They're, they're nothingness. Even so much to say, if you lay yourself down to death for someone else, but it's done without love, it's nothing. That's pretty harsh. It's not about feeling good. It's about living well. And so we get to, here it is, love is patient, kind, does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, does not dishonor others, is not self-seeking, is not easily angered, keeps no records or record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always perseveres. Love never fails. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And that is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's the application of a life lived, empowered by the godliness and character provided in our new life in Christ that we've been talking about navigating this vertical relationship that thrusts us into a needy world desperate for his love. And we can only give it away when we have received it sufficiently. Now, you do realize there's a little bit of a catch-22 there, right? Because you're going to be asked to give it away sometimes when you don't feel like you've got enough to give it away. But the good thing is, because it doesn't come from you, you can give it away anyway because you'll get more. 
All right, so let's, let's just get this down to the nitty-gritty and to the practical, and I'm taking this plane around, and we're going to come in and make a landing here, all right? Love is not a feeling, and so what are some practical expressions of love? Simply this, quick to forgive and be forgiven. Quick to forgive and be forgiven, and here it is. People like you. People who are absolutely different than you, diametrically opposed from everything you think and believe, and the word for those people is enemies. You, you remember, you, you remember, right? The call of the gospel is to love our enemies. And it goes so deep as to say, even those people who would want to use you up, Be quick to forgive and be forgiven. Well, we share our resources with others, okay? We, we have to learn to share our resources with others. And so let me talk about just a few things that you can do to share your resources with others. First of all, you can share your time and energy. I, like... Right here. Now, girls day out, swinging on the swings. They could be talking about a million things, but in my mind, you know what they're doing? They're talking about where God's at work in their life. They're talking about where the love of God is inviting them and calling them. They're talking about the wisdom they've understood. They might even be talking about small group and Man, if you haven't signed up for small group, be sure and do it. Because, because in one of the ways we sign up for small groups is we grow and we learn. And, and as we grow and learn, we realize it's, it's, it's sent deeper into our hearts when, when we tell somebody else about it. So I'm imagining that they're sharing wisdom and knowledge and where they've met God and what's God doing. And, and, and maybe even the latest thing they learned in small group about how God loves them and how God's calling them to one to, to give that love away. So we share our time and energy. Here, here's another thing. We, we not only share our time and energy, we share our food. Oh, wait, wait, you don't have a garden? Okay, I, right, right. You, you got to have a garden to have a bowl. You see, somebody's a gardener. They got their gloves on. A bowl of tomatoes, and it's not quite that season, but I couldn't find any fruit that was in season. But, but you get it. We share our food. So, okay, all right. For everybody who says, well, I don't grow tomatoes. There's this beautiful thing called gift card. And you can just send it, like, to your friends and share food with them. You Remember, they, they may not be in your cluster. They may not be in your pod. They may not be in your group right now, and you're not seeing them, so you're socially distancing. And that's, that's fine and good, and we, we encourage that. But it doesn't mean you can't care for and love others. Um, the beauty, the beauty of the capacity to send things over the interweb is incredible because you can love and care for people that you can't see right now. Physically. We, we learn to share our food. Uh, you know, here, here's the, uh, we learn to share the things that we have, our uh, tools and equipment. Ever had a lawnmower breakdown? Needed tools, you didn't have the wrenches. 
Now, if I had lawnmower breakdown, I wouldn't need any tools because I wouldn't know how to fix it even if I had them. But for those of you who have tools and equipment, I do have some equipment and things that I want to make available. You know, when you have a truck, you get invited to make it available. And I wish I could say I've joyfully always made my truck available. Well, that's not true. But I have made my truck available even when I don't want to, but I will. Remember, it's not about a feeling. I don't want to, but I will. All right, all right. And, and then, you know, we maybe can't do this so much, but in our pods, in our clusters, in our connections, we make our home available. Don't you love this? Just space. We make our home available. And I'll come back to the thing that we can share. And you realize it's also about our money, Right? I love this photo. Love greater than money. And it doesn't have to be large sums to make a difference. You don't have to empty your bank account to make a difference in somebody's life. Now, when I talk about being practical, I want you to understand one thing. There is a dynamic tension that I'm getting ready to describe to you that is real. And so what I want to say to you is that the vision of love that God lays before us is so large and so inclusive of all kinds of people, places, and things that that love demands our reliance on God's empowering grace And that will be the only way that we are able to love in the way that he has laid before us. Let me say it differently. This kind of love isn't manageable. It is not manageable. God's going to put stuff on you in your heart. And what I mean put stuff on you, I'm talking about passion. And he's going to put passion inside of you. That's going to stretch you. If our vision of love seems manageable, it is too small. Because God's going to ask you to do some things in love and you're going to say, there? That? And then here's the, the thing you're going to say, them? And God says, yes there yes that yes them and I want to tell you you don't have to feel good about doing it but you can I don't want to but I will and I will tell you the same blessing comes when you do it because when you let it go to there and that And then when it leaves your hands and goes into those others' lives, there is a rejoicing that occurs within your heart, and God is glorified. We have to live so that our love drives us to greater and greater dependence on God. Now listen, manageability, yes, there are are some manageable things, absolutely, that you can do. 
but not everything you'll be invited to seems manageable. It will demand the trust that God will provide everything needed. So I've been praying this prayer, some some things that are happening in my life and ways that I'm growing in God have led me to some historical written prayers. And I don't know the author of this, and I'm only extracting one sentence, but this is my prayer for myself with regard to receiving love and giving love away. And it is this, and we're getting ready to take communion, so you might want to grab that cup next to you. Here's my prayer. To all that you are now doing in me, I say yes. To all that you are now doing in me, I say yes. Yes. And I'm discovering the love of God growing deeper in me as I also discover the love of God flowing through me to others by simply saying yes to everything God's doing in me. And I know, I know. Really? That, really? And, and, I, and I will tell you, Yes, to the best of my ability, I imperfectly practice leaning into that prayer. That's my heart. I say yes to all that you are doing in me. So as you grab your cup, together we lean into the mystery of God present And together we say, Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Our communion meal is a way that the resurrected Lord comes to us today. And together we lean into the mystery of his presence here and now. To prepare our hearts, we pray the preferred prayer of Jesus the one that he taught us to pray, pray with me, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever. Amen. You pull the cellophane lid loose on the top. There's a foil one underneath it. Cellophane lid will reveal your wafer while I navigate my way. The bread 
the body of Christ given for you. Take and eat. The cup, the blood of Christ given for you, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. Take and drink. I'm going to ask our baptismal candidate to prepare. So if you'll make your way, Stephen, if you'll come forward. Mackenzie, if you'll get ready. I'm going to pray a prayer over us and then we're going to celebrate. Yes is what we're celebrating to following Jesus. Yes to all that you would do in me and through me. And so as we in just a moment celebrate baptism, I pray now, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, awaken us to your love that is poured out so freely upon us. Awaken us to the reality that more of your love in us is good for us and it is good for everyone with whom we come into contact. May we learn to live in the deeper love received, not just because we feel a certain way, but because we know it's true. And may we learn to live into the love that we give away, not because we feel good, but because we know it is obedience to your missional call on our lives. Cause us, O oh God, to say yes in greater ways to all that you are doing in us now. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.